My name is Jonathan Lipp. I'm the festival director. And tonight we're going to be speaking about festival strategies uh, when your film gets into a film festival or your screenplay is selected by a film festival. Uh, some strategies to help promote yourself and your work uh, to that particular festival community. So uh, I'd like to introduce our speakers. We have with us Raquel Bruno, Dan Carlock, and Sarah Dawson. So I'm going to ask each of them to uh, introduce themselves and tell us a bit about yourself. Raquel, we'll start with you and we'll go on down. I'll kick it off. Uh, so my name is Raquel Bruno. I run a company named Drive Entertainment Group. I come from the world of MTV, but I wear many hats. I'm known as a talent booker and TV and film producer. I produce documentaries and I also am now the booker for American Idol. So I wear many different hats and can tell you a little bit more about that. Dan Carlock. Um, I don't feel like I should be up here with these two fabulous women, but um, um, I'm a director cameraman, been doing it way too long, and, um, and I come from that perspective of actually making films and trying to get them into the festivals. Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, I co-ran a distribution company for the last few years, and now I'm working for the Tribeca Film Festival as a programmer, um, and I also do some consulting with filmmakers on distribution strategy. So uh, let me ask uh, each of you, uh, we'll, again, we'll start with Raquel and work our way down. Uh, a filmmaker or a screenwriter gets selected by a film festival. Uh, they receive the selection notice. What's one of the first things that uh, they can do to get the word out about their work? I think it's going to depend on the genre, and I'll give an example from my uh, perspective. So one of my clients is Sci-Fi Wire. So anything that falls within that genre, fandom, horror, um, sci-fi, immediately we always look at the slate as what's going on with South by Southwest or Tribeca, and we start planning, hey, this looks interesting, or this is something that really makes sense. Find your people, find your audience, and then start reaching out to those places. I mean, you guys are in a good position now. When I started out, when we started out, uh, we didn't have internet, we didn't have access, we didn't have Insta, we didn't have all these things. Find your people, find your audience, and start reaching out to them. I also work on American Black Film Festival, and, we, and that really always, and that's been going on for 22 years. And what's great about that is that, you know, really it starts out with a screenplay and an, an idea. And what's great about Jeff Friday and his team is that they've really stayed with everyone throughout the years. And in fact, they just, you know, a group just won um, at, at the Oscars this year. So my, my whole thing is find your audience. Sci-Fi Wire especially, and this goes for any genre, will support you from minute one if they find that it's something of worthy, worthiness. Well, first off, if you get into the festival, that alone is an amazing thing. Um, there's so many festivals out there, too, that um, picking the right one that would make sense for your film makes a lot of sense if you, you have to do the research on the different festivals and really make sure that if you're sending your film to that festival, it makes sense to send that film. It's a comedy and it's a, and it's a festival about dramas you don't, probably not a good fit. Um, vice versa, if you have a comedy, you go for the, you know, the comedy festivals. If it's a documentary, you go for the documentary festivals. And, it's kind of 101 stuff. I mean, a lot of it, you know, through Film 3-Way, which is a great resource, as I'm sure everybody knows, is that, you know, you can research all the festivals and figure out which one makes sense for your film. Yeah, I would agree with everything that they just said, and I would add um, the importance of positioning your film from the get-go. Sometimes filmmakers think that marketing sort of comes later, maybe it's once a distributor comes on board, and even though that's true, the way you go into the festival and the way you've positioned the film 
to be received by audiences is so, so important. So I've worked with filmmakers who I've encouraged them to change the title after they get into a festival. You know, like maybe their original title just wasn't really capturing what the film was. And maybe you've attended festivals, you know this, when you're browsing through a catalog of 100 plus films, you have very little to make a decision on, right? You have a couple sentences about what the film is, maybe a still, the title, there's not a whole lot to work with, so you want to make sure that those early elements position the film exactly as you want it to be received, because the reality is that not everybody is going to love your movie, so you want to find the people that will love it, and you want to make sure that that message is coming across from the very beginning before you even get to the festival. Yeah, uh, one of the you know, difficult things uh, with film festivals is that there are so many films playing that it's very hard for the festival to promote each individual film. You have festivals that are screening 50, 100, 150 films. Uh, so would you recommend that individual filmmakers invest in a PR rep prior to entering a festival? 1,000%. And I'll tell you why. Because there's so many films that get that early buzz. I also am in the Producers Guild, but because I'm on the front end of it, I'm really looking for things that are starting to pop and buzz because whether it's talent I'm trying to work with or a screenwriter that's starting to really grow or a director or someone that worked on a small thing, I'll give you a great example. One of my first clients was Ava DuVernay. She was my publicist. She had hired me when I left MTV. I went to work for her because she needed help with a, a party for one of her clients. That client was Jennifer Hudson, and we ended up doing the Oscar party. The reason I tell you that is because Ava came from publicity. She knew so well, so that's why when you see Ava, she's on the cover of magazines. She knows exactly what's going on, and she understands the importance of cutting through the clutter and being heard with whatever it is that she needs to tell. Whatever story she needs to tell, it's important for her. So in my world, as a booker and as a producer, it is important. And I know sometimes, as you said, marketing and PR come at the back end of it. That should always be baked into your plan as you're creating the bigger image of what that film is going to look like. Yeah, I, uh, I'll say something more to that. I mean, totally, totally agree. And it can be pricey, so make sure that you ask your friends, ask who they've worked with that they like. There are much more reasonably priced publicists. Maybe it's one person instead of a whole agency. Maybe you want a bigger agency. Whatever it is, there are options. I can tell you from the festival side, working for Tribeca and as an ex-acquisitions executive, like you have to stand out. The festival isn't able to do it for you. As somebody who was acquiring films at festivals, I didn't have time to like really dedicate to each film into looking into it I just had to sort of take what was in the ether what are people talking about what is variety writing about those things are really really important um, so yeah I could not agree more like definitely worth bringing on somebody to handle press for you during the festival and I'll just add that there used to be a lot of larger uh, companies that were like the Rogers and Cow and the PMKs now there are a lot more boutique yeah. Uh, places that are actually willing to work with filmmakers. It really depends on, again, the pitch. There, you know, you might want to do your research. It's great about IMDb, and you can find out who's actually repping certain director, writers, and what have you. And if they really, they'll, they'll work with you. I'm, I'm going to get killed by my PR friends. But they will work with you to figure out if it makes sense for them, depending on how, an early rollout, what have you. It really just depends on the project and depends. But I do think it is important because you, again, will cut through the clutter. I mean, it's a lot of work, too. I mean, you, once you're in the festival, it's not like, oh, I'm in the festival now, and you right. just 
sit back and go go to it and <laughs> right. yeah it's, that's just the tip of the don't iceberg. do that <laughs> um it really just you know in addition to everything they just said is you're your own best person to work on the, on the project as much as you can make even make the one-on-one -on -one phone calls hey come to my screening tonight hey come to my screening tonight mm -hmm. sending out a million obviously with you know facebook and instagram and snapchat and everything else there's so many venues you can actually get out there and you know get get to your friends and family to show up at, at, at the festival really Having a good turnout at the festival is also is an important factor, mm -hmm. and you can't just assume now you're in the festival, it's going to be a packed house that night. You have to do the you still have to do the work. And what are some benefits um, other than the traditional, you know, go to Sundance or Tribeca or what have you, and get a big distributor to release your film? Uh, what are other uh, benefits that a filmmaker can expect when going to a festival, even at like a smaller type of festival? I'm going to hand this one off to you first. <laughs> well, I, I'm smiling because I, I just read the greatest uh, Twitter feed from uh, Leonard Franklin, who, or Franklin Leonard, I always mix up his first and last name, but he uh, runs The Blacklist. I'm sure you're all familiar, you're filmmakers. Um, and he, he has this Twitter story that he posted the other day about how in 2004, he was a brand new agent's assistant. He had been hired with no experience, had only been working there a few months, and he got to go to Sundance. And when he was there, he was at some party. He's like, I couldn't remember what the party was, doesn't matter. And I met this filmmaker. He said he had a short in the festival. I said, could I watch it? Great. He watched it, was blown away, told his boss, who was an agent, a CAA, about this filmmaker. And the agent signed him immediately. That filmmaker was Taika Waititi. And I love that story because it's like, that's what festivals are for. Like, yeah, Taika had a film there. It's probably a film none of us has, have ever seen. But that connection, you know, the, the decision to go to that party, to talk to somebody, to go out of your comfort zone, it, it sounds so simple. But, like, those are the stories that make this industry. And the great thing is that I think most people are really open to experiences like that. So maybe it's a cliche answer that networking is what you get out of a festival. But that story, I just, I loved it. It just reminded me. It's my me. whole career networking. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of festivals, obviously. And it'd be great to get into Sundance and Tribeca and uh, South by Southwest. But also all the other, if you can just, just getting into a festival, that the, the work to get in is, you know, it, it's a, it is a lot of work. And you know it's great to get into all the top tier ones, but even any any festival you can get into, you're going to meet somebody, you're going to run into somebody, and if you're out there, you know, doing the work, it's there's going to be that happy accident that happens that you can't plan on. That if you show up to something like on Monday night here, the producer of my film um, ran into an old friend who now we have a meeting on Tuesday with somebody who might book our film. So it, we didn't plan on that on Monday. It just happened that we were in this festival. You ran into a friend, and you never know when that's going to happen. So the more you can get out there, the more you can get your face, you know, in front of other people, the, the better you're going to be. Okay. And uh, I just want to ask a question to Sarah. Uh, for Tribeca, I know a lot of filmmakers who don't have a whole lot of access are always curious how to get into these top-tier festivals. What are some of the things you look for as a Tribeca programmer? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the... The transparency of it is that there's always stuff coming from the major sales agents, right? And that sort of comes to the top of our queues, um, coming in as a more or less random submission without a major sales agent behind you is automatically a little bit more difficult. That being said, when we're looking through those kind of discovery films, I'm certainly looking for 
A, production value. I mean, invest in sound, <laughs> invest in like the basics because those are just like, you can't get around it. Um, and I think the thing that for me is, is often lacking is just that unique voice. I love seeing a film and I can tell that the filmmaker has a really unique perspective. Um, oftentimes, I mean, I, I screen about 300 films a year for Tribeca um, by the time they get to me. And I'm just always amazed how many of them kind of feel the same. I mean, I, you know, I know that they're not the same, but they just sort of don't say anything that I haven't seen before. That seems to be a common sort of... Uh, critique that we have amongst the programmers. So I would say trust your your voice and your vision. Make it unique. Make it special. Um, those things definitely stand out. And, you know, contacts help. I mean, if you know somebody who knows somebody or you have any sort of plug, you know, I've gotten notes from filmmakers saying, hey, I know so-and-so. They gave me your email. Just wanted to say I submitted. I mean, you know, it may not matter in the end that much because we're a team, but it does at least you know, get me to make sure that I, I check it out. Um, so utilize the people that you know also. Um, we were talking about PR, whether or not to hire a publicist. Now what about if you, if you choose not to hire a publicist, or even if you do, uh, what can filmmakers do on their own with social media before entering the festival? So like, let's say you get into Sundance, for example. You get the notification late November, early December. The festival's coming up about a month and a half, two months later. Um, what can they start doing on their social media besides just saying, hey, everyone, I got into Sundance, um, to, to sort of build their audience and promote and prepare for the festival? Okay. I think it's important, you know, one of the things, again, we do at Sci-Fi Wire, we do exclusive clips or we do little teasers or something that's going to start going, well, maybe tomorrow they'll put something else up about this film. I think come up with something that's really creative and different. Again, I hate to sound repetitive, but cutting through the clutter so that people are starting to pay attention. Well, some, something somebody said to me once which still resonates, is that you know more people than you realize. And that is really important. You start out with your friends, you start out with your family, and so on and so on. I'm old enough to know that commercial from the 80s. But basically, you can do so much with Instagram and Facebook and even YouTube. If you wanted to start putting up little clips, some behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, I, I, we, I still also do all the... Uh, I go back to MTV to help out with the Video Music Awards. Everyone loves exclusive content or something that you can just build up with your audience. So if you can offer up... Start getting the buzz out there about what it is Again, find your audience. You can tag people. You can try to get to some editors. You can get to some writers. Start getting to really pay attention to what it is that your film is about. I know this is a very generalization, but you have more access than you realize in today's tech world. Yeah, I mean, what we did in this recent film, uh, we had a trailer, obviously, for the film. But once we started getting into festivals, we um, created these little niche kind of... Um, spots where we took clips from the film but then we also did interviews with the different actors in it but we had them not as the actors but actually portraying the roles that they were doing as though it was a documentary so when we were interviewing them it was more about them as the character intercut with clips and it was like in that way it was kind of adding new content to to the film that they won't see actually in the film and just nice little bits that um, again people can share and just to get just get the word out there for it yeah, also just to plug a what not to do. Um, certainly, to Raquel's earlier point, like withhold some of your exclusive material. Publicists, if you do decide to bring a publicist on, they will be quite unhappy if you've already put a lot of your really great material out on the internet. Because um, as was mentioned, you'll want to pitch to you know deadline or you want to do some kind of exclusive. 
Also, if you don't have a publicist and you aren't going to be pitching to deadline, have somebody in your cast do it. If you have a friend who has like a decent Instagram following, ask them if they'll do a post and just say, check out this exclusive clip from this film premiering at South by Southwest. Can't wait. Like make it a thing. Um, We call them asset drops. And so, and publicists will call it that too. So certainly like be strategic about the way that you start putting material out there because you don't want to give out all the, what is it? Give away the cow milk for free. You know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. (laughs) But I would add to that, um, also feel free to invite people that you never thought would actually show up to your stuff. There have been times where I've, you know, if I I usually know their publicists or whatever, or just not that I want to use any, you know, influencers, but those that actually might make sense for your film, if they're going to South by Southwest, if they're going to Sundance or what have you, invite them down personally to say, hi, I am the screenwriter or hi, I'm the director. Like to get a personal note goes a long way these days because if you know, because this way it's like, look, I just think that you might find what I have to say interesting. Come on down. You'd be surprised. They will show up a lot of the time because they're like, wow, this, they, they, they found me. I wonder what, what, what the connection, what the connective tissue to me is. So let's go check it out. And that does help. Anybody have any questions? Yes. Good evening, guys. Uh, my name is Frank. Uh, also a semifinalist in Big Apple. Uh, on my screenplays, I've actually won two more today. In Miami, I have two questions for you. One as a screenwriter, the second as a producer. Um, the screenwriter, besides Gerald Hink, submitted um, for the best screenwriters. What other format can I use to get these screenwriters? Start with the first question. Is it on the blacklist? You should put it on the blacklist. <laughs> Do you have advice too about uh, the <laughs> No, I come from a different angle than okay. both of you, so I, I bow out on that. Yeah, I'm not, that's. I know. I'm not a screenwriter, but I would say put it on the blacklist. I don't think it can hurt. I think it's like maybe 75 bucks, but you get a really great evaluation from the readers there, and it's highly regarded. Um, I definitely think that if you're getting some traction in other places, it's it's probably ready to, to go up there. And I've won multiple festivals yeah. already. Yeah. From Las Vegas, Hollywood, uh, Miami. Yeah. Uh, they got pulled out. Yeah. So things are, are rolling, but it just seems that, okay, it, it goes, but then it peaks, and it's like hides away again. So mm-hmm. I need to keep getting it out there if there's any other uh, markets that I can reach out to. That's what I'm trying to yeah. It's not my specialty, unfortunately. Um, I don't know if New York Comic Con makes sense. There are a lot of people that come to that. There's a lot of studios that come to that. You know, it just it, it doesn't hurt to actually, like I said, being in the room, just showing up. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're there, and it's, you know, we have the stage there, but like every single studio, small and large, show up there. 
Sarah, real quick, for the screenwriters yeah. who are here, can you just elaborate a bit on the Blacklist, what yeah. it is, and why it's beneficial for screenwriters? Sure. So, yeah. So, uh, the Blacklist was started, I'm actually not sure when, not that long ago, within the last 15-ish years, probably. I could be off on that. Um, essentially, it's a it's a place where industry folks go to find great scripts that, that haven't gotten made. So, another Taika YTT story, um, he put his Jojo Rabbit script up on the blacklist many, 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 many years ago, um, and nobody wanted to make it. And then finally, he had enough of a career that he was able to make it, but that script was just sitting on the blacklist with, you know, industry folks were able to read it, access it, it was available. Another great story is uh, Booksmart, that was also a blacklist script. Um, you know, so it's it's a place that the industry genuinely looks to for fresh, interesting talent, oftentimes unrepresented talent or maybe filmmakers and writers earlier in their careers. Um, again, I, you pay a, a little bit of money to, I think, get the evaluation, but it's, it's certainly legit. Um, I would say if you've had a script that's had some success in other in other places, it's definitely worth submitting to the blacklist. Um, if you score, they score uh, different factors on a one through ten level, and if you get eights or higher, it goes into like an industry kind of highlighted queue, and you can see how many industry people are downloading it. And it's it's very exciting. It's really a great way to get feedback on your work and get it. Um, in front of some meaningful people. So definitely, yeah, check it out if you haven't. Question number two, yeah, in regards to the film festivals, mm-hmm. what percent yeah. is submitted in film? What would be, basically, bring it down here, what would be things that I should definitely have, like three top things that I must have at a film festival? When you're submitting or if you get accepted to the festival? Sure. So if you get accepted, three things that you should have, like, ready to go. Is that the question? Yep. When you're down there? Um, I mean, I would s- reiterate a, a publicist or at least some sort of publicity plan. Um, I think coupled with that, maybe a second thing is outreach, uh, which has also kind of been alluded to. We just haven't called it outreach yet. But that includes, you know, when you're in a certain city like New Orleans or Austin or even New York, you know, look up organizations, um, schools, groups, anybody in the area who, again, is part of your potential audience and invite them to the screening. Reach out, say, hey, you know, I have this film. I know you guys are the New Orleans horror film right. fan club. Like, I think you'd yeah. love it. Um, Find here's your the information. Yeah, like, just do it. And it's not complicated. I, I've done it for filmmakers. It's Googling. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. I'm just Googling. You've got ghost Austin. tours down there. I mean, you've yeah. got so many. Yeah. Those are the. But, they yeah. don't get, but they don't always, you know, they're working all the time. Like, getting them to start talking, because then they'll, be, they'll have their audiences, they're yeah. walking people through with ghost tours. Like, that's really, or even do some, some cool thing with it. I don't know the premise of your film, but think about it in a promotional plan. Like, you yeah. know, if it's something to do with ghosts, get a ghost tour, you know, exactly. rent one. Vampires, Ooh, but you find your vampire crew. You find, you know, you find them. You invite them down. You have a big screening, maybe a little small after party, and you just get the buzz going because then you get local press. Yeah. I mean, it become it becomes a thing. It really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that there's a shop in New Orleans that makes fangs, so yeah. you, you should find so there that you go. guy. Exactly. You, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> get a couple of witch doctors. You're good. You have a, a question. Yeah, um, I mean, this might be too individualized, but when you know to pull the trigger on world premiere or a city premiere, with like other than just gambling on yourself and hoping that you get into something bigger or you know better, 
Is there any like intuition that you can share of, of maybe a project or example or something? It's a really good question, and it's it's one that at Tribeca I, I deal with a lot. Um, your world premiere is so important. Um, the festivals that you play at after your premiere are also important, but your world premiere is hands down the most important festival, and you need to be sure it's the right one. It sets the whole tone. You know, I mean, premiering at South by Southwest means something different than premiering at Toronto, means something different than premiering at the New Orleans Horror Festival. And they're all good in their own ways. You just have to be sure that you're making the right choice for the film. As far as, like, knowing when to pull the trigger, so for Tribeca, um, there were a few films that we were still considering, and they had heard from other festivals, good festivals, like the Santa Barbara Film Festival, um, I think Pasadena maybe, so like some very reputable regional film festivals, and they said, look guys, like we'd rather be at Tribeca, can you like let us know, we have to give this other festival an answer by this date. Um, and I know at Tribeca, we're very like amenable to that, and we're happy to sort of make a decision. Um, it also happens a lot with South By. They're like, look, we got into South By, like, what do you want? Um, so if you are waiting to hear from a bigger festival, it's totally kosher to go to them and say, hey, we've, we've heard from this other festival. We'd really rather premiere with you guys. It's kind of like college admissions, you know? You're like, yeah, I mean, I got into this school, but you guys are my number one choice. <laughs> like, it's kind of the same thing. Um, and so, again, like, I can't guarantee every festival will be open to that, but it's definitely worth a try. So I hope that's helpful. To follow up, so it doesn't affect you if, if you reach out, like, if I'm like, hey, like, I got into Atlanta, you know, um, you don't, you're not like, you don't feel like a competition. No, if, if anything, if, if it's a festival that's still considering the film, it's going to, like, put yeah. a little fire under their butts and be like, oh, shoot, we got to, like, like, we do like this. It kind of makes them decide how much right. do we really want this film, which yeah. is good for you because you want, at the end of the day, you want to be at the festival that's really excited by your film. Right. They're engaged. And you, they, they, I mean, on the talent side, too, it's like yeah. you're taking initiative. So it's like, you know, it's like, well, this is really important to me. And it shows that this is important to you and you, you want to take it all the way. And again, it, it helps to trigger the reaction so you actually get an answer. Sometimes a no is better than nothing. It's true. It's true. Also, also weighing out where the festival is. Um, one example is I had a film that yeah, was, uh, was a doc music documentary that took place in Austin. And it was a club down in Austin. And it was... Everything about it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it made sense to be in the South by Southwest Film Festival. And it opened, it was an opening film there, and it did really well. But it made sense to be there for, for those reasons. So kind of look into that, too, where, what type of market you're looking for with the film to begin with. Also, some, sometimes festivals pass just because they're not the right fit. You know? I mean, there are a lot of films that we watch that and it's usually South by, honestly, we're like, man, this is so good, but this is like, this is a South by Southwest right. movie. Um, and that's okay, you know? So also just know that those conversations are, are happening behind the scenes and, you know, it's to your benefit in the end. Right, we we had a couple of questions. Let me just start all the way in the back, like the last row. Hi. Yes. Uh, my name is Chibaldi. No, no, uh, go ahead. Chibaldi. Yeah. Uh, uh, my uh, but I also produce about a dozen web series, short films that I put online, and uh, very social media focused with probably 70% of my content. What are your thoughts about when to post online as opposed to waiting for it to screen at the first 
like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> The whole, the whole thing, be the whole part, not just clips from it or a trailer for it. Um, it, it depends on the festival. So Tribeca has a really great uh, online creators component. It's called Now, New Online Works. Um, so we fully embrace that sort of content. It's just, it's curated in kind of its own section. Um, it used to be that it could have been online previously. We didn't really care now since it's the competition is a little bit more intense. We do typically ask that it hasn't been online previously, even if it is an online work. Um, but needless to say, there are plenty of other festivals that embrace online content, and it, I think it would be fine that it's already been up. I think having an audience right. is the best thing. I mean, that is, like, worth so, so, so much. Um, it's honestly probably worth more than a film festival in some ways. Um, so, so, yeah. In, in, in some way, they have these web festivals now also, oh, yeah, which is a great totally resource. Yeah. You got the Miami Web Fest, you have one in Seoul, Korea, you have uh, here in New York, yeah. NYC Web Fest. I mean, there's a bunch up in Canada, there, I think in Toronto, there's a big one. So the Web yeah. Fests are a great resource, I think. Yeah. yeah also, the more exposure you can get, the better. I mean, if you have a bunch of things already out there and people know about you, it'll right. just help you down the line when you have newer projects that you want to get out there. Um, okay, let me, uh, again, in the, in the back, there is another question. All the way back there, yes. Thank you. Uh, question for Sarah. And just out of curiosity, I've learned a little bit more on what the relationship from your perspective is like with sales agents on high-level contracts. Sure. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about sales agents. Um, you know, I think... I think like anything, there are good situations and there are not so good situations. Um, I think sometimes filmmakers fall into a trap of seeing a sales agent as a security net and they put a lot of trust in, you know, somebody else being their advocate and they kind of stop being their biggest advocate. And at the end of the day, like you as the creator have to be your own greatest advocate because... The sales agent has their angle, the distributor has their angle, even the festival has their angle, you know? So like at the end of the day, it has to be your, you have to stay in charge and just too many times I kind of see filmmakers say, whew, okay, well, now I'm working with Submarine and they're selling my movie, so I'm just gonna hang out and it's all gonna be fine, they're gonna make the best deal, I know it. Sometimes that happens, oftentimes it doesn't. Um, I think the other thing that I find frustrating is that even if, especially maybe if it's a bigger, higher profile sales agent at a higher profile film festival, you know, after that festival's over, they're really on to the next thing. Right. Um, you're a priority for a pretty limited amount of time. Um, so when I was working as a distributor, you know, oftentimes sales agents were calling me up saying, hey, you know, this played at Sundance in January, it's now October, can you, like, look at this film? And, like, that's fine, but it's just sort of a disservice to the filmmaker and their time. Um, so my advice would be if you're going to bring on a sales agent, work with someone who genuinely loves the movie. Everybody will say that they like it. 
but actually try to tell if they really, really like it. Um, and many of them will pass also, and that's fine. So I don't know. It's, it's a complicated kind of relationship. One more thing to add is that what sales agents have traditionally done, which is foreign sales, right, selling territory by territory, is happening less and less and less now. So for those reasons, they're really not as necessary. I would say if you want them to be taking the film out to more traditional distributors in the U.S. and North America, it can be beneficial still. But foreign sales are, are rapidly on the decline. So something to consider. I would agree with that. And I would just make sure that you have, it's your baby. So you want to make sure that it goes to the best school really, essentially. And that goes with if you hire a publicity group, a social media group, you want to see the plan from beginning to end. You really want to take stock and make sure that everything that's being executed has your blessing. Because if it doesn't, you know, it's the game of telephone. You're like, and then months go by and you're like, wait a minute, that's not what my vision for this was. You have to stay involved and engaged because this is your vision. And so every aspect of that film is most important. There's a question in the middle right here. Yes. Hi, my name is Deborah Rain. Um, I won my Lowell Street Writing Award for my TV pilot. Congratulations. Oh, put it on the blacklist. I'll read it. <laughs> Send it over to Sci-Fi. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I know some of the festivals now are starting to add television competitions mm -hmm. to the festivals. Yeah. A lot of the discussion has been about the distribution. That's obviously <clears> not quite my goal with this. Yeah, girl, I need somebody to educate me on this because it's, I mean, it's so for, yeah, for Tribeca, I do uh, features. I mean, I, I dabble in the online works a bit and I'm sort of tangential to TV pilots, but not really. Um, my sister actually wrote a pilot that is getting great traction. And so I'm genuinely like trying to navigate the same thing right now of like, how do we actually do something with this? Like it's. I'm, I'm really not the person to, to answer. On my end, I'd say try to find an agent you might like. Yeah. Because what they can do, whether it's a Gersh or an Endeavor or a CAA, they can, you can sit with that agent. It's one that you really want to really bond with. <clears throat> and, and because you're going to be kind of wearing a couple different hats, they can navigate that for you. Between all the streamers that are going on right now, I, have my, I literally have my feet in all of it. If I could have tons of feet, I would. Um, Disney Plus, Hulu, Amazon, Netflix. It's rapidly changing every minute of the day. I mean, I, I stay up on my Hollywood Reporter and Variety, and I'm also in it because I'm booking a lot of these folks. So I wear my producer's hat on one end, but I wear my talent booking on the other for Sci-Fi Wire and ABFF and those that we're honoring. It's really important to stay educated with everything that's going on. It's a very exciting time right now because there is so much that is available. But I think if you want to try to find at least an, an advocate and an agent, someone that you might be able to trust a little bit, and they can at least tell you, hey, I had a meeting with so-and-so over at Hulu. I had a meeting with so-and-so on Netflix. This is what they're looking for right now. They can at least, especially in your position with television and the streamers, they might be able to give you a little bit more guidance. Uh, yes, go ahead. I have a question related to what you just said. Um, I have a pilot script that's in semi-finals. What would you uh, suggest all of you as far as getting agent representation? Do you recommend like, calling 
advice on getting an agent? And, um, so I would say start out at you know ABFF Miami Festival. I would suggest starting with Jeff Friday and his crew because again he has supported everybody and they've all gone on to incredible things. You know this year for ABFF we're honoring Cynthia Erivo. He's known her for years. Um, we're honoring and then we're honoring Louis Gossett Jr. We've also honored so many writers and screen screenwriters and, and what have you that and and directors and you know we we've given a lot of opportunity for 22 years of, of making that happen I would say get involved where there's some workshops where there are some agents that might be kind of hanging around and seeing what's going on but also you and I can chat afterwards and I can give you some guidance as well because I deal with all of them um, and sometimes it depends you know do you want a bigger agency like and Endeavor or WME, they're all kind of related, um, CAA, or do you want more of a boutique one? Gersh is a little bit smaller. It just depends on your project, the, you know, the way that you like to react with people. You know, are you going to get a phone call back? I mean, there's a lot of different variables that go with it. Um, there's a lot of great agents here in New York. It might be worth it, if, depending on where you are with your projects, to take a trip out to L.A. and either meet the counterparts of those people then we can have a conversation. And there's, there's just so many great, there are some great people out there and it depends on the kind of representation that you want um, and also where you are with your projects. They also, that helps. They also go to film festivals. Yes. So go to parties, parties. and ask people where they work. Walk and down the street at Sundance, <laughs> believe it or not. I mean, seriously, you know, yeah. that Taika Waititi story. Yes, yes. very true. Well, the other thing, too, is just get, if you can get something made, if you have some short films, if you get things yeah. in the festivals, I think the huge word is networking. We all agree on it. Who you end up meeting, you know, you have one project, you know, by the way, I have this other project. And really, that's, you know. And there, yeah, and there, right, and there may be an assistant that really is hungry to get to the next level that's at the desk for a major agent. Again, that goes yeah. back to the story. Some of them will actually go to these festivals and say, okay, you know, the, the agent can't go, but these, uh, these assistants want to really see what's out there so that they can get and grow with their talent. So it really just depends. And making sure you just keep creating. The more you create, the more you go, the more people will see it, and getting that buzz going. Remember, sorry, I was going to say, remember, um, Quentin started out in a video store. Did you have a question up front? Uh, yes. Um, how do you feel from the point of view of the festival? If, uh, I'm a filmmaker, right? Um, and I submit a work in progress, rough cut, to a festival. Is that something that you guys like, or you'd rather see the whole thing? The reason is, we are going to shoot a feature film this summer, mm -hmm. and we would love to submit to Tribeca, but I don't know if we're going to be able to submit the final cut. Right. So. Submitting a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say probably 75% or more of the films that are submitted that I watch are works in progress. So it's by far the norm. Um, all of them are kind of at different stages. Sometimes it's just temp sound or music. Sometimes it's like temp you know, effects and it's, there's really some holes. I would say like, this isn't like a, maybe a helpful answer, but if it doesn't detract from the film, then it's yeah. fine to submit as a work in progress. I mean, there were a couple that I screened for this year that like the film was really dependent on the effects or, or on the sound or like something that was still a work in progress that was like detracting me. I, I like couldn't make a good call you know, based on what was missing. Um, but that's rarely the case. I mean, typically it's like, oh, okay, like they haven't color corrected. No problem. It still looks great, you know. So um, I wouldn't say it's something that we like or don't like. It's it's just kind of the norm. And just make sure that it's at least at least enough that you feel 
like it's not going to be super different after it is finished, you know? At one point, they had the work in progress section at IFP. Yeah. Um, they which still is, they still have that, that which yeah. is great because you're essentially not really giving up your world premiere because right. it's a right. it's a film market, um, so you can still go on to premiere at a you know top line festival. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, we got some questions over. Uh, okay, which yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say uh, IFP has opened up their uh, submissions now, so oh good. Oh, okay, yeah. So submit IFP. to IFP, you guys. <laughs> it's the best. Amazing. There you go. IFP open for submissions. Okay, go ahead. So you talked a little bit about like the importance of picking your premiere, um, and I know, you know, knowing other filmmakers who have gotten to the point where they've made their, their feature and they, they had one with a little bit of budget, and that's very very important. You know, publicist where and blah blah. How do you feel about like? How would you approach it with shorts more so than features? Like for example, we have a, a script that's here, and we're getting some really good traction on the short script, and we're Somebody get the festivals while we're doing pre-production and production and so on and so forth. And we'll continue to do that until we get to the point where we can start submitting the actual film to try to create that that runway, right? Right. Um, and, and we're getting good traction on the script, but how picky should we be about that with something like a short? Mm -hmm. Dan, have you submitted a short to a festival? Uh, I have personal experience with this. No, everything we've done is either feature or okay. documentary. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right. 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 I guess one thing to note is like if if a short plays at Tribeca, it's automatically eligible for the Academy Awards. So that's nice. Um, so if you you know they're like the top tier festivals, that is that's a nice kind of thing to actually the film that won the Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone is one that I helped program last year. So I was very proud. I love that film so much. Um, so you know like there are certain cases where you have that to kind of consider maybe. Um, and those festivals will want the world premiere, typically. Um, but on the flip side, I think to your point, like it's, it's less important, basically, than it is with a feature. I think it's more about who can you meet at this festival, who goes, you know, do a lot of agencies go, do a lot of other filmmakers go, who's, who's the audience, who are the industry goers, is this a place that you can talk about your work and make connections, maybe meet people to work with you on the next project. Um, I think you're thinking of it more like that rather than, okay, I have this feature and I want to sell it and I want to get distribution. And it is kind of a different trajectory. Yes. One more quick question. In regards to the Ameri uh, AFM, American Film Market, yeah. uh, back out in Santa Monica, is it the best to go out with scripts or finished products to basically sell the product? I don't know if AFM, do they have a script that's section? What I'm, that's what I'm trying to um, I think they do. I hate AFM. <laughs> so I'm like cringing. Um, PTSD. Uh, I, I think that they have a script component. I'm not totally sure, to be honest. Are you talking about just attending like as a filmmaker and just sort of like... Right. Right. But not necessarily like attached to a sales agent yet. Right, right, right. right. Just sort of individual. I don't 
I love a sizzle reel. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. When I have to, because I'm also in the Producers Guild, and so I like to get little snippets before I really all of a sudden have to watch The Irishman. So I'm just saying. I agree with you. We live in an ADHD world. <laughs> little snippets, little Easter eggs, anything yeah. great to get people really watch. I'm going to say that to you also back there with your whole audience. Give them Easter eggs. It's the best thing ever because then they'll follow the trend and then they'll be like, oh, wait, now we're going to go to the big leagues. Yeah. So I would say a lot of the people that you're going to anyway, unless you're in a, a screenwriter's uh, workshop, we're visual people. So we want to see what's happening. Yeah. So we want to see what, what, what direction you're going. So basically more of the sizzle reels, basically entice them. For me. And you you have the horror film, which is it, it, it's, it's been shot though already, correct? It's been done. We're in post production. Right. We're editing right. now. I had a show that was on Amazon Prime, which is done and finished. We're actually writing right now. So it's a prequel to produce uh, awesome. the uh, new show called The Iron Wraiths. Basically, just waiting for funding for that. Yeah. So, so you're in a great position where you could make a sizzle from what you, since you've already right. shot it, you can actually make your that's sizzle. What, that's what, yeah. that's my point. That's it it is, I, I think it's important, especially if you want to also start start up your social media team, your publicity team, your promotional machine. Like, they have something to go on, and then they can ask questions after that and say, oh, maybe you want to change this, whatever. But I think if you give them a taste, that helps. Yeah, and, and the, um, I, I do love meeting filmmakers at AFM, guys. It's not that bad. Um, but the filmmakers that I've met, I was just thinking back. I'm like, who are the filmmakers that I like still remember meeting at AFM? And they, A, I usually met them at like a social thing. You know, AFM has a lot of like little parties and cocktail things and like everyone's chatting. And I've met really wonderful, interesting filmmakers that way. Um, I would recommend having some sort of little like card, like not quite a business card, but something that's like for your film. Um, simple, not too much on it, but like maybe a website, maybe where they can go to watch the sizzle reel. Hashtags. Every time, hashtags. Every time I've gotten something like that, um, it goes in my bag and then I have a stack and I, I typically look yes. through yes, all of yes, them. Yes, yes. Um, and sometimes I'm like a few minutes in and I'm like, no, but then sometimes I'm like, wow, this is really good and I'm going to email that person that I talked to. Like that was a great conversation. I remember them. Always ask for their card as well. Um, so yeah. What, we have time for one last question. Yes, you had a question? Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, let me just wrap some. Uh, actually, Dan, I want to ask you a question. You, uh, you've had experience as a music video director. You were nominated for a Grammy um, some years ago. What do you think about music video film festivals? This is sort of a thing now. Cool. Would you um, recommend? I, think, I don't know I if think they're great. You know, the, you know, there are some fantastic music videos, and you can, you can turn them into short films. You could have you, this, the, the song could be there, but you can actually create... It turn it into a short film. And I've done that a, a bunch of times over the years, and it's done well for me. But it's also a great calling card because you're also kind of crossing over, and if it's a band that has any sort of following, mm -hmm. then you got their whole clique of people who will, yeah. will watch it, and then that just builds and builds. And Actually, I had one, um, it was just, I, I don't know why. <laughs> it's like one of those weird, you never plan a viral thing, but I had a, a video I shot that had one million hits on Facebook, that it was like kept growing. It was like, why is it growing? It's like, what video was it? It was, um, it was for this guy named Don Oriolo, and um, it just kept growing. And suddenly, it was a million hits, and uh, I still don't know why, why it <laughs> happened. But, uh, but that's the other thing. It's the happy accident. You know, you can plan and plan and plan, and get all the right people on your. It's being in the right room at the right time with that right person that you can't plan. That's true. 
And, and lastly, do you, do you think there's ever a situation where a film actually is better for a smaller, maybe niche festival? Like Raquel, you mentioned you work with the American Black Film Festival, talking about music video festivals, there's horror festivals. Is there ever a time when maybe a film is actually even better for a yes. niche festival than one of the larger festivals like Tribeca or yes. Sundance or something? Okay. 100% yes. <laughs> and, you know, it's difficult when filmmakers feel like it's Sundance or nothing right. because that's just not true. You right. can find such great success doing, again, a strategic festival strategy that is in tune with what your film is. It's going to reach the right audiences. It's all going to be better. And, you know, sometimes... Even the like, even if you were to get into, say, a Tribeca, if you're a really small fish in a bigger pond, it's just easier to get lost. Whereas right. you can really stand out at, you know, a regional film festival, which, by the way, are still fantastic. Mm -hmm. That could be like a whole other panel. Like, take advantage of regional film festivals; they're wonderful. Yes. So, yes, definitely, you have to think strategically and realistically about what your film is and who's going to like it, and then go that direction. I can speak to that. Um, when I first started my company, I was a producer of an amazing film that came out of the nightclub scene here in New York. It was called Motherfucker. And it was a, it was, it was a movement. And we wanted to be like a, a Pennebaker film, basically. And we had high hopes of it going into Tribeca. I think we even submitted Tribeca and just South by Southwest. And, you know, we had big dreams. And that you should, we should always have big dreams. But what we realized is that it was so much more to play in the regional festivals and for the LGBTQ community because the, the party itself was um, a transgender person that ran it. Um, it, was, it, was, um, it, was a, it was the it girl, it was the straight guy. It was four different people that ran this festival, this party. And this party became a movement. We had every band from the Future Heads to Moby. They all loved it. And it was a roving party. And this was from 2000 to 2006. You can still find it. We went and met with, um, with, uh, with the television networks. And we thought, well, we know that, you know, we even created postcards. Like we, I had a brilliant director, David Casey, who actually had all of the promo materials. But I tell you, we went to San Francisco. And we we had a packed house and that was the most rewarding festival yeah. we played and it was meant to be there because it had a message and, um, and it was most important for us and we, we realized that's what it was meant for. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to get into the top 10 festivals and obviously you want that, you can do it, but you cannot deny all the other festivals that are out there. Um, if your film, you know, sometimes competing, you know, against, you know, a million dollar film and your film you did it for thirty thousand dollars there's a little bit of you know maybe your target audience might be different at one festival compared to another festival and there's no denying just getting into any festival is hard hard enough work and i would i wouldn't turn it down if you can get into a festival just to get into it because you're not you're never going to know who you're going to run into and again i can't stress the happy accident factor right. enough okay. i was going to say i know your audience all right, I want to thank our speakers, Raquel Bruno, Dan Carlock, and Sarah Dawson. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Thank you.